How about we take our Bibles tonight and turn to Acts chapter number 20. Acts chapter number 20 here tonight. Title of the message tonight, Sound the Battle Cry. Sound the Battle Cry. A church that points others to Christ. Last time we were in Acts chapter 20, we were considering the life of Paul and his life was certainly a life that did just that. It pointed others to Christ and that means that he was his life was spent invested because he valued Jesus more than he valued his own life. More than he valued his own life and thus a life that points others to Christ. We saw this is a life of service. It's a life of sharing the gospel, a lifetime of sharing the gospel. A life of following the spirit's leadership, a life of suffering. A life of suffering, it most definitely is. And then we saw this, it's a life of staying on course for the sake of the gospel. And so a church that is a church that points others to Christ is doing that exact same thing. This is a church of service right here. It's a church of sharing the gospel. I'm convinced the more that I go along and I see like all the men gathering at the men's advance and I I begin to believe and realize we could reach this area for Christ. Uh, this many people given a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. But to do that, it's certainly going to be a life of following the Spirit's leadership. It may be a life of suffering, and it certainly will be a life of staying on course. So let's go now to Acts chapter number 20, and we'll pick up the remainder of Paul's words to the Ephesian elders, to the Ephesian pastors. In Acts 20, let's begin our reading in verse number 25. Acts 20, verse 25. And now behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock, also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one of you night and day with tears. And now, brethren... I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or peril. Yea, you yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I showed you all things how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him into the ship. 
God bless you for standing for the reading of word, the word. You may be seated as we get into the message here tonight. Sound the battle cry. A church, pastoring a church, a church that points others to Christ. It's a privilege to teach at Heartland Baptist Bible College. I enjoy every week and look forward to those times being on campus and teaching. This was my first year to teach a class entitled, a two-part class, the first part, Pastoral Preparation. The second part, Pastoral Responsibilities. Pastoral uh, Preparation, and then Pastoral Responsibilities, plural, Pastoral Responsibilities. And I appreciate uh, Brother R.B. Yeager, who's here, Brother Dave Hardy, um, as well, who taught the class in the past, Brother Davison asked me about teaching it. And I almost instantly knew that that's what I was supposed to do, though I wasn't exactly sure how to squeeze that into the time. But I, want to, I look back now, and it's almost done. And I thank God for the opportunity. I love it. I, I've, I've looked at it kind of week by week. Um, and just kind of as a... Uh, Opportunity to share my heart a little bit and to uh, more or less a show and tell um, in the class. And so, in any case, uh, I believe God assembled a, a good group of young men this semester. I'm sorry. Um, so they've been the guinea pigs of this uh, new teacher. Uh, trying to get through some lessons and writing new stuff. And so we've covered a lot of topics uh, between the two classes. The pastor's call is purity of life. The pastor's wife, it's my favorite subject <laughs> to study. <laughs> that pastor, his wife, <laughs> sorry, not that pastor. <laughs> But the pastor's wife and family, the pastor's study and message preparation, the pastor's evangelistic and discipleship focus, the pastor's staff, the pastor's business side. Just uh, on Thursday, we had Brother Don Young come in and speak to us about the pastor and the IRS. It's a good session. Yeah. The pastor's role in world missions, the pastor's vision for Sunday school, the pastor's role in weddings and funerals, marrying and burying, the pastor's role in doing that, <laughs> the pastor's administration of the ordinances, the pastor's role in counseling, the pastor's role uh, or involvement in church music, which I believe he ought to have a lead part in helping to make sure things go right, not in singing, necessarily. The pastor's presence among the people. We've got a, another class period. We're going to talk to him about dress and how a pastor ought to dress and, and act and uh, among people, good manners, yep, things of that nature. 
I remember being a freshman and coming to Baptist Bible College and, uh, you know, needing help even just in how to dress, how to dress up. Uh, in fact, I don't mind to publicly thank uh, Kyle Osfeldt for helping me. He was my roommate, Jay Rushing. I'm not sure if Jay helped me or not, but... Uh, <laughs> no, they did. They teamed up on me. I mean, these guys from Southwest, I'm telling you, they knew how to dress sharp and... Uh, the Kentucky boy maybe did not, and so I uh, needed help, and I appreciate the help. I still need help, and that's why I got married. <laughs> yep. So, thank you. One of our uh, first endeavors of the class was to choose a song, a class song, just something that would be special for the class, and, um, and so, anyways... Uh, PSD class, I teach personal spiritual development, higher ground. It's a song we sing. I can't sing it without thinking about um, students in PSD wanting higher ground, you know. And uh, other classes maybe have a class song. Um, some don't. They sing different ones. Um, the uh, men of the homiletics class. Special song, Rise Up, O Men of God. It's a blessing. I kind of think it like uh, about it like at West Point or something, you know. <laughs> How they'd have a certain song or something along those lines. So, anyways, uh, one of our first endeavors was to choose a class song. And, and one of the very first songs, I believe it was, that we sang, um, Brother Michael leading us, was Sound the Battle Cry. And it just, I almost instantly it clicked. This is it. No need to try to find another one. You know, but sound the battle cry. Sound the battle cry. See the foe is nigh. Raise the standard high for the Lord. Gird your armor on. Stand firm, everyone. Rest your cause upon his holy word. Amen. Strong to meet the foe. Marching on we go, while our cause we know must prevail. Shield and banner bright, gleaming in the light, battling for the right, we ne'er can fail. I like this third verse. O thou God of all, hear us when we call, help us. One and all, by thy grace. Singing that at 7.30 comes pretty easy. <laughs> Help us, one and all, by thy grace. When the battle's done and the victory's won, may we wear the crown before thy face. Rouse then, soldiers. Rally round the banner. Ready, steady. Pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna, Christ is captain of the mighty throng. Yeah. Really is a blessing to sing that with those men. And uh, I like it. It's a manly song. It's a manly song. And uh, it reminds us that we are in a spiritual battle. 
We most definitely are. Both semesters, we structured uh, the class around one verse. It's in Acts chapter 20 and verse number 28. And the three parts to that in a pastor's life are these. Heed, feed, and class, lead. Heed, feed, lead. Pastors, first of all, got to take heed to his own life. Because if he doesn't, he won't have anything to give others. So we spent the first part of that semester talking about taking heed. Take heed to your life, your spiritual walk. Take heed to your purity. Take heed to your wife. You better take heed to your wife. Take heed to your kids. Spend a considerable amount of time there. We spent a a good amount of time on feeding the flock, what it means to preach from the standpoint of a pastor. And I I tried to convey to them that many of these things are things that I'm I'm learning and I want to continue to learn and want to do right. To heed and to feed. And then he says that you're overseers and thus to lead. And so that's really what this whole semester has been about is just leading in various areas. And I want to thank God for you as a church and want to thank God for the leaders of this church. But, you know, we've got to keep in mind here the reason we do this and the reason a pastor ought to heed, feed, and lead is the latter part of verse number 28. When it says that Christ purchased this church with his own blood. You see, that word purchase means that he went to great lengths to purchase the church. You know, when something's special to you, you take special care of it. Isn't that right? When something's special to you, you take special care of it. You buy a new car. It has that new car smell. I mean, I know you can buy that in an air freshener thing. But isn't it even more, isn't it it better in an actual new car? Love that smell. Haven't smelled that, you know, and... But I love that smell. New car. New shoes. Smell of new shoes. <laughs> As opposed to old. <laughs> but how, uh, you know, you get a new pair of shoes and I mean, you just want to take care of them. Everywhere you go. You don't want to go anywhere. You don't want to go, almost, you don't want to wear them outside. You know, just wear, wear them on carpet. You don't want to get scuffs on the bottom of them, you know. But shoes are made to wear, and so you take care of the shoes as best you can, and believe you ought to. A new home. Some of you just this year built a new home or moved into a new home. Want to take care of everything. A new baby. Some of you brought home a new baby. Got one being born today. New baby. Can you name me there at the hospital? New baby on the way. New babies are precious. Precious. The danger is that over time, your care begins to wane for the new baby. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Especially after you've had, you know, one one or two, you think, oh, they'll be okay by themselves. (laughs) Anything new, you try to take real good care of it. 
I believe we ought to have a growing love and care for our church. Just a growing love and care for our church. It's not a new church, but let's not let our love for this church wane. Right? This is precious. This is, a, this is the church, one of the churches that Jesus died for. Shed his blood for. I just recently met with one of the young men of our church uh, who's grown up here, about to be married. He said, I love this place. <laughs> I like being here. You know, just being here. Being here a lot. <laughs> and he's had occasion to do that. Grew up sometimes either in the ministry as a deacon's kid or something like that. You're going to spend a little extra time at church. <laughs> but, you know, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. My wife spent quite a bit of time and others like her. PKs, pastor kids, missionary kids. You've conducted your own services down in basements and led the singing. and Your sister did the preaching. <laughs> Brother did the preaching. Shooting hoops out in the parking lot while dad's trying to finish up. You know, God bless you, by the way. Yeah. Sure appreciate how that, um, you know, this church treats preacher kids and staff kids and missionary kids and such. It's a blessing. I believe we ought to, we ought to have um, a real growing love and tenderness towards our church. Paul loved the churches everywhere God sent him. He loved them. You could tell he loved them. He loved them. He loved this church. He, he uh, was in a hurry to get to Jerusalem, but he, he just couldn't pass by without at least meeting with the church leadership. Now, he'd already spent three and a half, two and a half, three years there, but he wanted to see the church leaders one more time. He wanted to see the pastors one more time of this church. Paul practiced what uh, some maybe have called or have called and we might call phase-out oriented church planning, which means that he, he came into a church setting or evangelized and people were saved and thus they needed to be baptized and then after baptized they needed to be gathered together and they became a church. And from the very beginning, Paul led them in such a way where... He always had phase-out in mind from the very beginning. He did not build that church to be dependent on him. He built that church or encouraged that church to be dependent on the Lord and to appreciate and follow the leadership of the God-appointed leaders. I pray God uh, allows me to be here a good long while. That's my intent. It's my desire. It's my prayer, my, de my love. Um, you know, we're coming up on four years here. It's hard to believe it's gone like that. And, um, but, I mean, I'm already thinking. You know, as the way time goes, just I, I'm praying that God would, maybe even right now, be raising up the right man to pastor here. It may be some little boy, Brother Bruce, who's in the five-year-old class, 
that you had a hard time getting him to sit down. The reason being, maybe someday he's supposed to stand up in church. <laughs> yeah. So in any case, he had a love for them. He knew they had opportunities. He also knew they had threats. And he knew that they needed godly leadership. And in this chapter, I believe in large ways what he's doing in a very, maybe in, a, in tender moments from a pastor's heart, because he'd spent so much time with this church, more with this church than he had any other, that he just shared his heart with them and said, uh, I, I've tried to show you, I've tried to teach you. And he said, I'm leaving here with a clear conscience. As far as Paul knew, this would be the last time he'd see him. And he said, I'm free from the blood of all men. And in other words, he said, I've taught you everything that I know to teach you. I've showed you all the will of God. He instructed them in such a way that if they failed, it wouldn't be because he had failed to teach them. By the way, I believe that's good for us to think about in your term here of church membership, have you done everything that you're supposed to do as a church member? As a Sunday school teacher, teachers, let me remind you, especially those of you that teach in the children in the, in the youth classes, you only have a year with them. And there are certain things in those years, that, in that year that they're supposed to get. Make sure you've taught them what you need to before you send them on to the next person. And those of you that teach adult classes, the same. I mean, really, none of us know our time. It's all short. You work a bus route. You're carrying precious cargo there. Bringing in some kids that need some extra love. I'm glad and thankful that you take some time to teach them some songs. And teach them even on the bus ride. While you sit down with them. They're on that bus seat. Talk to them about life and about the Lord. Had a lady uh, today, uh, Brother Bruce, that uh, attended the class this morning. Her kids didn't want her to leave. I think it was maybe been a grandmother. And y'all were singing a song. I don't remember even which one it was now. And she said, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but we don't know these songs. That's what she said. And I said, you know, that's, that's fine because this is where you learn them. And so I'm excited that now she's got her grandkids in church and that she was here today. That's precious. Can I say to you as a parent that you ought to teach them in such a way such that if they fail in life, it wasn't because you failed to give them an example and to give them curriculum and teaching. You know, I, th I had this thought. That, you know, if you're teaching a Sunday school class or if you're coming up with a new class, you, get, you develop curriculum to pass on to them. Why don't we do that in, t in teaching as parents? You know, there's certain things they need to have. Maybe we need to develop curriculum as parents. And I realize we have it here in the Word of God. But to make sure there's certain things they're getting along the way, intentionally, purposefully teaching them. So Paul said that, and he said, now, I've tried to equip you. And I want you to take heed to yourself. I want you to be alert. Be constantly on the lookout. First of all, you need to be on the lookout in your own life. Don't live life without intelligence. 
Be aware of your surroundings. Be aware where your life may be getting off course. Then he says, take heed to all the flock. Paul had some concern in his heart because he knew that the enemy could be and would be advancing. You know, I believe that um, as we think about our church, we need to think about it this, that same way. First of all, every one of us is members, and I say to all the leaders as well, you need to take key to your life because you've got an enemy that could in very subtle ways get you off track and get you distracted. And even while you're in church, your life could get off course. And then if you're in leadership and you're in a family, you need to take heed to your family and watch out for them who their friends are. And watch out what influences are coming into your home. Because there are grievous wolves in this world to this very day that will come in and terrorize the flock. Fathers, you better pay attention to that flock that God's given you called your family. My wife just uh, last Monday spoke to the ladies about she looketh well to the ways of her household. She shared the message with me. I thought, wish I'd thought of that first. That looketh well to the ways of her household doesn't mean just that she takes care of her house and keeps it up and keeps house and everything, but that she looks well. She looks down the road to see, okay, how is this going to affect my child 10 years from now? What I, even as minute as, she, you know, talked about her, their clothing. What do I allow them to wear now? How is that going to affect them 10 years from now? What we allow them to watch now, how's that going to affect them 10 years from now? Look well. Take heed to your own life first and to all the flock. Now here in this context is over which the Holy Ghost have made you overseers, talking about the church which he purchased with his own blood. To feed the flock of God. God's called you into the ministry. Then you need to take care of that church by feeding the church. Give them a good steady diet of the Word of God. Not a diet of your ideas and philosophies, but give them a diet of the Word of God. You know what I'm thankful as I look out at this youth department? I'm thankful for a youth pastor who's taking heed to his life, trying to, trying to take heed to the flock, and that's not trying to build a youth department on the latest game systems. But that as I hear from the people of the youth department, the leaders that are there, that he's trying to preach the word and build their lives. And the same, I asked my son today, what'd you learn today in the seventh grade? And Brother Tim Berg preached about the golden calf going through the book of Exodus. He's about to catch up to me in Leviticus. I better get the move on. But I'm thankful that even in our youth department and at every age level, what we're trying to do is we're trying to give them the Word because it's the Word that will build their lives and help their lives be fortified and give them a steady diet. I think of it maybe this way, the four food groups in the, in the terms of preaching, repro- or, uh, sorry, doctrine, 
It's good for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction. The four food groups right there. How's that? That'll work on it. You know, the preacher, the pastor, he's got to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Two bad ones, one good one. Isn't that what it is? Reprove, rebuke. Don't forget to exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Yep. So the pastor needs to preach on some things that will step on your toes. And get specific. And I, and I want to ask God to help me in every time of making an application to make sure that the application here is gun barrel straight and that it's specific instead of just telling you to go out and love everybody, but tell you to go out and love the person that's doing you wrong at your job place. I'll give you some specifics. Why? Why all this effort? I tell you, the bottom line on it is this. This is the church that Jesus bought and paid for with his blood. This is his bride. Where was the danger coming from? Could I sound the battle cry tonight to alert us to the fact that fierce wolves were trying to come into this flock? This flock? They were coming, trying to come in then to that flock there? Paul said, I know. He perceived that wolves are going to come in. Grievous wolves. They're not going to spare the flock. Paul was concerned about that after he was gone. Well, what do we find as we read First and Second Timothy, where Timothy came and pastored? There were wolves there. And Paul had to deal with them, and some of them were female wolves. Leaders that came in and tried to sway the people. And then you read John's writings, and who did he write to in Revelation chapter 2, the church of Ephesus that had lost their first love? Grievous wolves coming in. Do you realize tonight that our church can be surrounded by wolves? People trying to come in. Just a couple weeks ago, we had a man out that the security, I'm glad we have security. Apprehended a man trying to pass out CDs about why he left the Baptist church to go to the Catholic church. Some of you maybe received that CD. On our property. That's a wolf. And uh, one of our security guards took care of him. <laughs> Removed him from the premises. All in good taste. Yep. But there's going to be people who do not understand the church, who do not believe the deity of Jesus Christ, who do not teach Bible doctrine about salvation. Charismatic wolves, progressive wolves, Calvinistic wolves, power-hungry wolves, money-hungry wolves. You know how to survive a wolf attack? Stay close to the flock. Stay close to the flock. Stay close to the light. Haven't you read some westerns? Haven't you watched some old cowboy shows? Get away from the, from the fire, then you've got to build a fire up. Hey, you know what, I'm, what I try to do every Sunday is just build a good fire here. Keep the wolves away. Expose them. Don't wander off on your own and carry a big weapon. The Word of God. Survive a wolf attack. But then Paul said there's another danger I want to tell you about. It's some that are within the church. 
You know, sometimes somebody's standing out here on the corner and they're passing out those type CDs, that's easy to spot. There's danger there. What can be dangerous is that right here in our very assembly would be somebody who would try to gain a hearing with you. As he says there, to draw you away. It means to lure you away, to, watch this now, alienate you from the rest of the body. Alienate you from the pastor. Why is that such a big deal? Well, the pastor is the one that's supposed to care for your soul. The pastor is the one that's supposed to care for your thinking and care for your, for your uh, life and care for your family. And, and yet, listen, if somebody comes in and they, they invite you over and they talk to you at their house or maybe they catch you before or after a service and they try to tell you things the pastor won't tell you, you start crying wolf. Or they start telling you things that maybe the pastor can't tell you because he doesn't know these things. He's not as educated. He doesn't understand, you know, the intricacies of, of uh, the Greek and Hebrew language like I do. He doesn't understand Calvinism. They become in and they begin to... They seem all intelligent. I mean, they're quoting men who have letters behind their names. They've written books. They've done seminars. They're leading churches. They're teaching in, in seminaries. And they can seem so persuasive. You better beware because they could come right in here and cause division. Beware of anybody that causes you to get alienated and get you sideways with the pastor. It may be on theology. It may just be because they're disgruntled about this or that. And if, if they have a problem, I'd be glad. I've sat down with several people and I'd be glad to talk with anybody else. But you better be beware of somebody that comes alongside of you and says, you know, I don't really like this. And while we're talking about it, I don't like this either. That's somebody that will trouble this church. Paul said, I'm concerned about it. Because it could be somebody right here that's causing some trouble. What could he do? He couldn't do anything. He was about to leave. You know what he did? He said, you know, I commend you to God. And to the word of his grace that's able to build you up. And I think that's right on. What did he say to do? He said, well, to watch, keep awake, be alert. And I'm not aware of anything here tonight. This is, this is strictly preventative. But, you know, a church's size. Satan loved to take this church down. Don't you know, in terms of missions, in terms of influence, in terms of the Bible college being here, Satan would love to take this church down. There are wolves who come in here and try to do some damage. What do we need to do, church? Well, we just need to be on alert. I'm just trying to sound the battle cry. You say, we're well, not sounding it very loud here tonight. We're just having a little bit of a pastoral heart-to-heart -heart talk here, a little bit different. But just to say, hey, we better be on the alert and pray for one another and protect one another. Go after those that wander off because there's a lot of wolves out there. There's another danger. As he talked to these pastors, he said, you could be in danger because you could, you could um, want to have money in the ministry. Paul said, I, I've not looked after or coveted anybody's silver or gold or apparel. 
I've not been in this for the ministry, for the money. <laughs> Sorry, he's in it for the ministry, not for the money. <laughs> and as proof of that, he said, you know, you know this. And evidently, Paul got accused along the way, didn't he? You know why he got accused along the way? Because even in his day and time, there were some charlatans, some shysters that would gain a following, not because what they were preaching, not because what they were preaching was true, but because it was their way of making money. And so Paul said, you know, I, I realize there are those that are doing wrong there, but you know my manner of ministry, that I didn't, I didn't ask you for anything. In fact, you know, as well as I do, that I worked a job while I was with you to take care of my own expenses, and I worked a job to take care of the expenses of those that were traveling with me. You know what Paul was saying? I've tried to give you a good example of hard work, and I've tried to give you a good example to show you that the ministry is not about money. In other passages, he's going to make it very plain and clear. It's good that you take care of your pastor. It's good that you take care financially, that you take care of those that travel by and things of that nature. He wasn't saying that's wrong, but he's saying it's, it's more blessed to give. I'm glad to have given to you. I've given you that example. I'm not in it for the money. And I, why is he saying that? Evidently, there would come some who would be in it for the money. People, as we've said it before, more interested in the fleece than they are in the flock. So what did he do? He, he commended them to God. And then it says in verse 36 and 38 that they had prayer together. This was a very emotional moment. Can you imagine? You've spent your time. I mean, it was, it was emotional for me tonight. It just kind of hit me as I got to thinking and talking about the uh, pastoral students. I have just two semesters with them, of course, three years now with them being juniors. Some of them may have another three years with them. <laughs> but I'll tell you, one of the most touching times for me, and I believe many of you that are adoptive parents and that you've been involved around here and the love that this church has for Heartland Baptist College, Baptist Bible College, is when those students line that hallway, or as they have lined outside here, and we go through and we shake their hand. And they're on their way. They're going on to wherever else it is that God's leading them to go. It's a bittersweet moment, isn't it? Those of you that are graduating, God bless you for the faithfulness of you being here for four years. And hasn't God been good and been sufficient? He's used this church to be a help to you. And here pretty soon, Dr. House is going to line you out <laughs> for the last time. I love that part, Dr. House. <laughs> My favorite parts of the whole school year, watching Dr. House get everybody in order. <laughs> love it. Let people come by and tell you they're going to be praying for you. They're going to see, see you go on your way and serve in the Lord somewhere. They're going to go on their way, church. What do we do? we got work to do here in Ephesus. What did they do there? They sent Paul on his way. He had work to do. They went back to work in Ephesus. We've got work to do in Oklahoma City. It's a special moment. I want you to care that much about this church and about even being a part of um, raising up church leaders here from our own children. Someday I'll teach Sunday school and be a bus captain. 
Why don't we have that type of concern? Why should we care about a Bible college? Why should we make such great effort, pray diligently, and be so alert, and be here to read and feed on the Word? I'll tell you why. Jesus purchased this church with His own blood. And that's worth every ounce of effort that you and I can can put into it with His Spirit's, good Spirit's help that we might protect this church. So I exhort you tonight to take heed to your own life. Feed those that you have an influence on. Lead them in their lives. Because you can help to oversee this church and take care of it. There's a lot of eyes here. You can see things a pastor doesn't see in caring for the church. I believe tonight... As we care about this church, it would be right for us to sound the battle cry and see that the foe is nigh, but raise the standard high for the Lord. Father, we thank you tonight. Thank you for the words of Paul, the tender time you allowed us to share around his word. Lord, I love this church. I thank you for it. I thank you for, God, the faithful members of Southwest Baptist Church, people like a James Bunyard who tonight is in the hospital but has been a member here for over 50 years and has faithfully served you. And so many others would be of the same, same spirit mentality. Oh, God, please keep us, Lord, from divisiveness. Keep us from wrong doctrine, a wrong emphasis. I, I want to pray as a pastor that you have here at this time that you'd help me to be sensitive to your leadership dear god guard us from ambition guard me from from uh, lord any any wrong motive guard our staff from any wrong motive lord help us not to serve here just to get accolades or anything like that but god help us to serve and labor here because of a love for you and a love for your church Help the leaders of this church, dear God, every one of them, in every capacity, and every member of this church, oh Lord, we, we labor and work together. And I thank you for this church, and I pray you'd protect it. I know it's precious and dear unto you. And so is every church that is your church, dear God, regardless of the size. I think about Ed Blanchett up in Kansas. So he'll conduct a service tomorrow. For a dear member of that flock. And so, God, regardless of the size of the churches, Lord, I thank you for loving your churches. We saw so many of them even yesterday. What a blessing, oh God, what a blessing on Friday and Saturday to see, I don't know how many churches gathered there, but 1,500 men, I guess, evidence that you're doing a work in churches and building men's lives and building ladies' lives and children youth. Oh God, thank you for what you're doing, for what your word does, that it builds us up and gives us an inheritance with the saints. Oh God, thank you for it. And I do thank you today being Heartland Sunday. I thank you for sending this school here. I want to thank you for the diligent way that the students work, their jobs, and then I don't know how many people we've had brought here over the last few weeks even that have been brought by a student who has a heart for you, that works a job at Cracker Barrel or at O'Reilly's or wherever else it might be, oh God. They've worked diligently to try to bring people. 
I thank you for their enthusiasm. I pray for them that you protect them. I know that many of them could make wrong decisions, as any of us could. And so I pray you'd protect their lives and raise them up, O God. Equip them, dear God, to preach your word like we heard preached tonight, to stand before congregations and sing, to lead in singing, to teach Sunday school classes. Dear God, to teach in a Christian school as we have right here in our own city. God, to to uh, work and labor as a faithful deacon or a faithful administrator of a school or church in some capacity. Oh, God, please just raise them up to be missionaries. And Father, I thank you for the good work you're doing. And so I pray you'd continue that. And please use us, help us, dear Lord, to be a church that's involved in the ministry. Lord, help us. My heart today has been touched about the bus ministry. And the opportunity there, oh God, please help us. There's a lot of responsibility, not just in those that work the bus ministry, but those that work in junior church and in the Sunday school department, in the nursery, and all around this building. Oh God, we uh, have a great opportunity. And then, Lord, for our own children growing up here, I think of the songs the young lady sang about sheltered by your grace and I thank you, God, for the Sunday school teachers that teach them and the moms and dads that make an effort, such an effort, to have them in church and to teach them at home and to be overseers in their lives and to protect them and to help them to stay out of bondage. Dear God, please help us at every level, every way. There's so many moving parts here, it's hard to pray for all the parts. But I pray that you'd bless this ministry, not for our sake, but for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.